Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Oh, yeah, baby. You know, Mitch. They love their Coopers. Mitch Harper. Big 12 open for business. Welcome on in to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks Podcast. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for kslsports.com. It's time to unpack some conference realignment talk. Is there any better topic? I mean, come on, conference realignment, it's incredible. It's always good. You thought, Cougar Nation, that conference realignment talk was done. Well, it might be done centered around you, but it's sure not not done because it definitely has a ripple effect potentially on BYU and, of course, the Big 12 Conference. You can follow me on social media, at Mitch underscore Harper, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. And also follow KSL Sports, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at KSL Sports, and download the new KSL Sports app today. There was some interesting commentary on Wednesday, recording this on February 15th, from John Orand and Andrew Marchand, two of the top media insiders, neutral parties, Guys that just cover the ins and outs of the media space, sports in general, and just media in general. They cover it all. On their podcast, Marchan and Orand, they were discussing the Pac-12 media rights deal. And, of course, days ago, the Pac-12 issued a statement that seemed to suggest that things were okay. The comment was, quote, the 10 Pac-12 universities look forward to consummating successful media rights deals in the very near future. Based upon positive conversations with multiple potential media rights partners over the past weeks, we remain highly confident in our future growth and success as a conference and united in our commitment to one another. In quote, multiple potential media rights partners, hmm? consummating successful media rights deals. I still think that the Pac-12 finds a way to get a deal but are the financials going to look good? What's the type of dollars they're looking at? Well, Marchand and Orand, uh, they paint kind of a bleak picture potentially for the Pac-12 conference, especially with streaming partner Amazon. Everyone's at 100%. I, 99.9%. If they end up on Amazon, it's going to just be a comparable price that you get from networks. Nothing crazy, you know, where they outbid everybody by a lot. I don't see that happening. And I don't and think here's, they want the here's the problem on that, Andrew, is that if they end up on Amazon, Amazon only wants one, one game package, yeah. like a game, a game a week. Amazon only wants the top game. 
Well, they're not going to skim and give that top game to, to Amazon. That's that's what's valuable for about this package. So they're trying to, to 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 keep that and make you know the second, third, maybe even fourth game available. And so that's that's part of the negotiation that's happening with Amazon right now. So Amazon only wants the top Pac-12 game, reportedly. Hours later, the Action Network's Brett McMurphy reported that CBS and Turner are out for the Pac-12 media rights. So that leaves you probably with ESPN, Amazon, and maybe Apple TV. Marchand and Oranda said that they're a wild card, potentially, in all of this. Help me understand, at what point is it going to take for one of these Pac-12 teams to blink and realize the Pac-12 is trending in the wrong direction and it's heading towards a bleak future. Look, you could get a meteorite deal right now. You, you could get it done. And maybe you get something set up for the next five years. I don't know. But you're going to probably make less money than the Big 12. And you're going to face these same concerns again. And it might get worse. The fan interest in the Pac-12 conference was non-existent when USC and UCLA were in the league. Just non-existent. Go back to COVID. COVID told us everything we needed to know about Pac-12 sports. And I kind of wonder, honestly, when it comes to conference realignment, these decisions are made by school presidents. Do, Do these school presidents realize yet what they're doing to their athletic departments? Do they care? I don't know. They didn't care in 2020 when they pulled the plug on football and no one batted an eye and no one up and down the West Coast cared that Pac-12 football was gone. No one cared. When it was the Big Ten, there was rioting. There was protest. I mean, Kevin Warren's office was filled with parents of of student athletes and football players saying, bring back football. Pac-12 football was gone in the fall of 2020 and you never knew. No one cared. No one batted an eye. That was one of the most, give you a lens into how sports are viewed on those campuses and that do they really care? Are they willing to take it to the highest levels? Big 12 sports, look, people can knock the Big 12 brands and the cities and it's flyover states. I get all that. It's tough to get to Waco. I experienced it firsthand. I'm trying to map out places like Manhattan down the road and and Stillwater. It's going to be tricky. But the thing is is that they have fan bases that care about college athletics, and they will always care about college athletics. We've seen that with how Big 12 fans, they pay for ESPN Plus to watch a lot of Big 12 basketball and football. Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, they pay. Do Pac-12 fans go through hurdles to get the Pac-12 network? No, they don't. They don't switch their carrier. They don't do whatever it takes to get Pac-12 Network. We've learned what the Pac-12 is. We've just learned what it is. And you wonder if it's almost a pride thing that they're willing to just stay together because of the academics and the AAU. But that's an old line of thinking. That is the old line of thinking when it came to conference realignment. That maybe worked back in 2010 and the 80s and the 70s. But it's led you to this predicament. And the Big 12, credit to Bob Bowlesby when he was the former commissioner, he laid it out there. He said, I was like a a football coach. 
I wanted to get the best possible prospect on the board. First call was to BYU after Texas and Oklahoma left. Then he went to Houston, he went to UCF, and he went to Cincinnati. Programs, four football programs, because football drives the bus, and these are athletic conferences, football programs that have delivered big-time success over the past decade. Now you look at the Pac-12, they might expand. They might go get San Diego State and SMU. SMU, I do believe, has that potential to really become something in football. Again, they once upon a time were in the 80s, but they haven't won a conference title since 1984. They've had seasons recently when they had Sonny Dykes, and I think Rhett Lashley is going to do a really nice job for them. But I saw the SMU fan base, or lack thereof, up close and in person in Albuquerque in New Mexico. It's non-existent. Look, BYU fans didn't have a huge showing in New Mexico either. They were a disinterested group. I get all that. But SMU had really no interest. There was no fans there. And SMU isn't going to really pull in eyeballs much. They could, maybe, uh, down the road. I think they could become really good because the state of Texas cares about football. And San Diego State, I, they're a solid athletic department. They're good. They're, they've never been extraordinary. We've seen them up close and in person back in the day with the WAC and the Mountain West, but they've never been elite. They've never been, they've been better in a watered-down Mountain West, but when it was BYU, Utah, TCU in the Mountain West, they weren't doing anything. They had that one year in 2010 with Brady Hope, but BYU with the 7-6 and six team beat them then. The Pac-12 is in a bad situation right now. And does their pride keep them together? Because I think there's still that element. What saves the Pac-12 right now is the 12-team playoff component. Because you can maybe say, we're going to get a team in that playoff, and maybe we can create a, a dynasty with one of these teams, or Oregon, or Washington, or Utah. They become the annual team that goes to the playoff and that can kind of fill the gap with donations and ticket sales and things like that can really drive up things. But fan bases in the Pac-12, they're non-existent. Outside of Washington, Oregon, and Utah on game days, there's not many fans. The Big 12 has done an outstanding job. Brett Yormark has done an excellent job. Him getting ahead of the curve and getting a deal done was massive. And you got to realize, too, like we don't know what the, the final or the next iteration of college football is going to be. We know we're going to a 12-team playoff, but why can't the Big 12 be the third best league? Why can't they be that and become this coast-to-coast football property and athletic, depart- athletic conference that is made for television? College sports fans love it because... On any given year, someone can win it. It's kind of like what you grew up and fell in love with college sports. And it's like what you created in your video games and things like that. I just think there's a bright future ahead for the Big 12. And I think that what's also been noteworthy here, because remember, commissioners, again, work on behalf of these school presidents. These new school presidents and the remaining eight in the Big 12, they want to get things done. They're all on the same page. There's a uniformity, so it's not needed necessarily to add more schools. I think this 12-team Big 12, after Texas and Oklahoma are finally moved on after 2024, or in 2024, excuse me, this is going to be a good league. 
And they're going to get stuff done because they want to be ahead of the curve. The Big 12 was always the reactionary league because of Texas and Oklahoma. They stalled everything. But suddenly when they're kind of getting out of the mix, things are getting done in that league because they are focused, hyper-focused on the importance of college athletics. Whereas the Pac-12, you still have your doubts. Do they even care that George Klyavkov is really not getting anything done yet? I don't really fault George K that much because I think he's dealing with a, with a bad hand where he's got school presidents, the Stanfords, the Cows, where do they want to be in this thing? Do they want to be in this race that is college athletics to potentially be in whatever the final iteration is of college football, what it's going to be? I don't know. I don't know. Whereas the Big 12, they want to be in the biggest stages at the highest levels. All 12 of their members want to do that. And if you're in Arizona, and if you're in Arizona State that does value sports, or you're Washington and you're Oregon, okay, maybe the money isn't significantly better in the Big 12, but you know that this new conference, the Big 12, they want to be on the highest stages of college athletics, and they're going to do everything in their power to go down swinging to make that happen. Doesn't that matter at all? I mean, if it's not, then just become the, the research league and, you know, Pride yourself on that. I mean, if that's what it's going to be, all about academic research, and look, I get it. Academics, that's, there's a bigger purpose to universe, but the lines are getting blurred in college athletics. This is becoming more of a pro sports entity. College football is the second biggest sport behind the NFL, and the media rights have been undersold for far too long. That's why I always said back in the fall when people were worrying about the Big 12's deal in the summertime, oh, they're going to not have any money, they're not going to be able to compete – Media rights were being undersold. The Big 12 got in at the right time, though, and your mark, credit to him, he understood that. He saw that when no one else did, that he realized what was trending in the direction with these networks. You look at ESPN, Disney CEO Bob Iger, on an earnings call. He said that we've locked in a number of deals already, including some of the biggest ones, which is in college football with the SEC, as well as with the NFL. The one that's looming is the NBA. I know that's on people's minds, which is a product that we've enjoyed having and hope to continue enjoy having, because not only it's volume, but it's quality. ESPN has been selective in the rights that they, they bought. I've had long conversations with this with Jimmy Pitaro, and we've got some decisions that we have to make coming up, not on anything particularly large, but on a few things, and we're simply going to have to get more selective. You know, so if ESPN, are they bidding against themselves right now for the Pac-12? And if they are, and they're already going to be more selective, what are they going to pay the Pac-12? It's a fascinating dynamic. And I'm really curious to see how this all plays out with conference realignment. Because, to me, if you're the Big 12, you don't expand unless it's some programs in the Pac-12. I think it was uh, Greg McElroy from ESPN said, there's strength in numbers. Go get SMU. Go get East Carolina. It's like, no. No, they're not doing that. That hurts the Big 12, and then you're becoming basically the AAC. There is a clear separation now. The lines, were, again, were a little bit blurred back in the day when you could make the case of a BYU, a Utah, a TCU in the Mountain West Conference. That was a better league than the old Big East. It was. And it's showing itself by the quality of the teams that were in that league and what they've become since in the past decade or so. That was a great league. There's no good group of five league like that anymore. 
Mountain West, not good. AAC, it's been raided. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Group of five, there is a massive gap between the Power Five and the Group of Five. Pac-12 football could still be good with the 10 remaining schools. I think that's something that I think BYU fans are, are dismissing a little bit. I think the on-field product can be pretty good. I think this year in the Pac-12 will be very good as well. They still got USC and UCLA till 2024. But I think that just, again, your future is always going to be on shaky ground. Whereas the Big 12, they've got some stability. And it also helps them, too, that they are not desired any of their properties, their schools, by the SEC and Big Ten right now. So it can create a little bit of comfort. And if you do come to the Big 12, say in Arizona, Arizona State, then you're going to probably have Arizona and Washington, or excuse me, Washington and Oregon follow. And say maybe Washington and Oregon get that call up to the Big Ten. You still then have that strength in numbers thought process where, okay, you lose those two, but you still got 12, 14 teams. You can still operate and be okay. And you also wonder, too, if you're the Big 12, do you just go for Washington State and Oregon State? Two teams that have been told, well, if this league's done, the Pac-12, you're going to the Mountain West. Because I feel like you just got to get one or two teams, maybe one, to just take the ground from underneath the Pac-12. And look, the notion that we need a Pac-12, yes, that would have been nice in theory back in the day. As Mike Gundy put it best, last July, a Big 12 football media day, all of this is about the chase for the most TV dollars possible. And if you're the Big 12 you got to secure your financial future and secure your place in the future of college football and college athletics. So you got to take out the Pac-12. You have to take out the Pac-12. And that's got to be the pursuit. And credit to Brett Yormark. Credit to that league. They have done an excellent job at kind of making people realize that the Big 12 is not the one that was in dire straits. Again, I just I didn't understand this national media narrative that the Big 12 was far inferior to the Pac-12. I don't think that the Big 12 has a brand like Washington and Oregon. I agree with that. I do. But attendance-wise, fan interest, the Big 12's got fans. They've got a lot of fans, and they care a lot. You look at football attendance this past year. BYU led the new Big 12 in attendance, 59,674 fans. Guarantee you for the first two or three years, BYU will have 60-plus at each home game. Guaranteed. 
they will have a 60-plus attendance. Think about this. Iowa State, who was, what, 4-8 and eight this past year? 57,344 fans per game. That's higher than everyone in the remaining Pac-10 except Washington. That's Iowa State, who was 4-8 and eight and historically has not had a great football tradition in history. Kansas State, 51,000. You look at the Pac-12 at the bottom, they got Stanford, 29,000, Washington State, 26,000. The only team that was sub below 38,000 in the new Big 12 was Houston. Houston had 25,394. Houston's one of those teams where you wanted to, you know, maybe rekindle some Southwest Conference matchups. They've got potential, but will they realize it? And is that fan base actually going to grow? There's a little bit of SMU crossover with Houston. But Houston, to their credit, they've had recent football success at a high level. And their basketball program is a juggernaut. And they've got rich tradition in basketball. And that's another piece, too. For some of these Pac-12 programs, Arizona in particular, you are going to be in the best basketball league in America. Look, even when... BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston join the Big 12 next year in basketball. Those four teams. Houston's the number one in Ken Palm. The worst team's BYU, and they're around 81st. Top 100 basketball, quad one games every night in the Big 12. Arizona basketball is massive. It's huge. It's big time. And I know basketball doesn't make a huge cut of these media rights deals. I get all of that. But that's got to be a factor for Arizona to realize we could go into the best basketball league in America. And if the NCAA tournament expands to 96, you're getting in the dance darn near every year because you're playing 18 to 20 quad one games every season. I, I just think you've got you to make that move. This would be huge for the Big 12 if you could pull in some of those teams. And, you know, the Utah component's interesting to all of this as well. There was the article on Vanquish the Foe kind of revisiting, you know, that history back in 2010, which it's been well documented. I, I think for some people it was maybe new info that they didn't realize because in 2010 it was just a different world. The way we consume media in 2010 and realignment news, far different than it is now. Well remember that story of, you know, Craig Thompson's at a baseball game, and he gets informed by the Utah president about, hey, BYU's going to the whack, and they're going to try and poach some of these Mount West teams, and da-da-da-da-da. If I was BYU, I think BYU, honestly, they would probably say yes to Utah. I, I think they would. Should they, though? No, they shouldn't because it's not because necessarily a pride thing. It's none of that. It's because you want to be the top property in the state where you're at the highest level and you are the one cashing in the checks, getting the ticket revenue, getting the big-time recruits. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And Utah wanted to eat you up the first time when they went to the Pac-12. I get it. It's Again, it's, it's, uh, it's a nasty deal. And if you got the chance, I think you politic behind the scenes to make sure you don't let them come in. That's my opinion. Because... BYU football is, next to the Utah Jazz, the second biggest show in the state of Utah. It is. 
But BYU football, year-round, captures an audience in the state of Utah. It absolutely does. You spin the hits, jazz, and BYU football. Utah football should have a lot bigger audience than it, than it does. I don't know what it is, but they just don't. I don't know. Because Utah football as a product has been outstanding the past you know, 15, 20 years, really. Since 2003, they have just been a really good football property. But I think if you're BYU, you, would, you should politic to, to prevent Utah from coming in. I don't think they would take that approach. I think they would be more cordial and want to have Utah there. The one positive I will say, if Utah did get into the Big 12, and I don't know if their pride would let them. I think a lot of Utah fans would want to avoid that scenario and not deal with BYU and, and vice versa. I think BYU fans wouldn't want to deal with Utah. But I will say... BYU and Utah would be the new Texas and Oklahoma rivalry in the Big 12. It would be the best TV game for Fox and ESPN to bid over. And I, I think that is something that's attractive to a TV you know, entity when you're looking at the future and you're talking about realignment and things like that. That could be a valuable coveted game that becomes desirable. Because back in the day, Utah and BYU, yes, we all know the history and the, the nastiness and how intense it was, but it was never a national stage game. It was, you know, back in the day, it was Channel 5 on KSL. It was Channel 2 for for Utah home games. And then, it, you know, in the Mountain West, it was ESPN+. Plus. There were some ESPN games, and there were some ABC regional games in the 16-team whack. But it was never just this massive stage. You could say in 2016 when it was Network Fox, that was a pretty big deal. Maybe one of the biggest stages ever because I think it was like a 5 o'clock kick if memory serves me right. But now it's just a 8.30 Saturday night you know, ESPN 2. It's not a huge event. Whereas I think in the Big 12, it would become a huge event because the Big 12 lacks marquee rivalries and rivalries are still a big thing in college athletics but push comes to shove I think if you're BYU the smart move to keep yourself on the highest level is to prevent Utah from coming in that's my thought I mean but I don't again I don't think BYU would operate in that sort of space in my opinion that's my opinion there fascinating stuff though from the Pac-12 and the Big 12 I think that the thing that I kind of wonder, too, the Pac-12, one thing that people got to realize, too, is that the Big 12 got an extension. They got an extension with their current media rights partner, so it was a little bit easier to make that happen, whereas the Pac-12 is forming a completely new deal. So they deserve a little bit of leniency in that regard, but still, I think they should have a, done, a deal done by now. I mean, if they don't have something done by May or June... If you're the Pac-12, you got to be panicked. And if you're needing SMU and San Diego State potentially to add them before a media rights deal, that's a sound-the-alarm deal, in my opinion, for the Pac-12. And that's where you go, okay, maybe you get some short-term deal for five years. Well, then what's it going to be after the next five years? And the Big Ten doesn't look like they're going to be expanding anytime soon. They don't have a full-time commissioner in yet to replace Kevin Warren. Who knows who they'll hire? I'm very curious to see what that hire is. Do they take the, the route of the Big 12 
and the Pac-12 and go to a turnkey ZRG search firm? Or do they go with more of a college administrator type? I think more the latter for the Big Ten. And I just don't think they're pressed to add anymore. I don't think they feel like they need to add anymore. And does USC and UCLA really want Washington and Oregon on their coastline? I mean, Oregon and Washington were huge threats in recruiting going into Southern California and getting the top talent. USC and UCLA, they could rope off Southern California in recruiting because they're in one of the best conferences in college football. And that's a premium because football numbers, participation numbers in California continue to decline post-pandemic. It's a part of the country that's not just completely invested in football. And I think that's another thing that helps the Big 12 is that they are in parts of the country where they love football. And not only football, but they love college football. Provo, Salt Lake, we love college football. Florida, they love college football. Ohio, they love college football. That's probably more pro town Cincinnati. But that state, there's a rich recruiting ground in the state of Ohio. Great football talent to be had in that state. And then the Midwest, they love college sports. I just think there's a lot of positive things for the Big 12. And it's a young conference. I mean, only 27 years or so this thing has been in existence for the Big 12. But I think better days are ahead. And I think your mark has done an outstanding job in getting this conference to believe that they can be something far greater than that they've ever been. And I think his media pushes that he's made out in New York, I think some of the things he's done with the Big 12 title game, getting college game day, the narrative is changing. And narratives are massive in college sports. We saw it firsthand when BYU was in the Mountain West Conference and everything went to Comcast. It went to CSTV, it went to the Mountain, and it went to Versus. Great football, great basketball in those years. But the narrative was, we don't know anything about them. We don't know anything about them. They got more money than Mountain West did. $1.5 million per team, which is crazy to think about now. $1.5 million per year per team. So they did that move for more money. But the exposure was terrible. And maybe the Pac-12, you know, ends up getting that awesome deal from Apple TV. Are college football fans going to flip to a streaming service, Apple TV, and do that? I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just old now. I'm 34 years old. And I don't like the feeling of not being able to change channels. I hate that two-minute delay. I I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening with all of this, but I think right now the Big 12 is in a better position to have success. I do think that the Pac-12, to their core, probably wants to stay together because they do like that academic piece to everything. But you think like that, you're going to be left behind, and it's going to be some dark days ahead. I think the Big 12, and for BYU fans, they are in the right spot. They are in the right league. And there's better days ahead for BYU and the Big 12 Conference going forward. That's going to do it for this show. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating and review. I'll catch you next time here on the Cougar Tracks Podcast, powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.